Before we start today's episode of Zillennial Canon, we just wanted to let you know that there's a link in our description to some friends of the pod, including Adam's second podcast, Aggressively Okay, that he hosts with Joe, Back to Back, SeltzerCast, and a few others that we know you'll enjoy. Thanks for supporting us, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. everybody welcome back to i don't have an opening adam do you have an opening um i know i feel like we should have prepped this before we started recording but yeah um but this is an adam week movie as you can yeah by, uh, but first before before we get into the movie happy second anniversary to zillennial canon yeah wow. yeah it's been two years since uh we stayed up like all night just making a spreadsheet of films that we just like thought of off the top of our head. And then mm. I was like, I kind of feel like watching RV. And then a pod was born. <laughs> a pod was born. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I guess you could say, well, do you have anything else to say about the anniversary? Because I don't know. Not really. Like, okay. like, thank you, everyone, seriously, from the bottom of our hearts. Yeah um yeah you know yeah no thank you um for listening to us just ramble for two years um but you could say two years ago we bought mics we each individually bought a mic (laughs) no wait wait it took me way too long to buy a mic I bought a mic probably like a year ago you guys were listening to my shitty audio quality in the vicinity of this pod we have bought mics and someone else has bought mics before and also, as a pod, uh, our good guest, if he wants to introduce himself. Well done, first of all. Thank you. <laughs> um, hello. Um, yes, I'm Drew Dietzen. This might shock you, but I'm from the We Bought a Mic podcast. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I've been meaning to tell you, Adam. Um, happy anniversary, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Yeah, we have um, like a candlelit dinner. We, have, we picked the movie. Yeah. It's... It's it's good. This is a good anniversary pick, I think. Yeah, I was a little bit like, why? When Adam <laughs> picked this movie. Um, Does it I was mean like, something to me? I was like, oh, by the way, like, it's like our anniversary this week. Like, do you want to do like a special like episode? And he's like, well, what? Like, what? And I'm like, like a movie that like sums up like Zillennial Canon. You did like, not say you... that, by the way. Oh, I said it in my head. Okay. And then you were like, "Well, do you have any ideas?" And I was like, "No." Are there are there any like mega home run movies that you guys are saving for a special occasion? Um, we were saving Shrek, but the the anniversary happened. So. I feel like a lot of the like heavy hitters, like the Pixar's and the and the the big decoms, and um, mm-hmm. like I think we're significantly going for like the B to C movie tier category right now. Yeah. Because, um, like, if you get into, like, a Harry Potter or something, then that just, it just opens up, like, too many, too many doors. Um, well, that's, that's a couple months of podcasts. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. That's um, why the spreadsheet is, like, 500 films deep. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Adam <laughs> wants to hold off on doing Austin Powers, but. I just think, 
as your friend before your co-host, I think we need to let it like simmer down a little bit before we uh, jump into that. Um, and I say that as an Austin Powers fan. But <laughs> enough about that British bastard. Um, we're talking about a U.S. special <laughs> agent. Uh, Adam, your segues tonight. What the hell? Did you did you just get back from like broadcasting school? It's <laughs> a new year. I'm just imagining Adam like on stage, like the Joker meme, like with like the notebook. <laughs> His like, joke, a book full no, of like... only segues. <laughs> no practicing joke. it like in front of a mirror before we started recording. It's that Joker meme, but he's in the tracksuit. Yeah. Uh, and that's me in front of the mirror right before we recorded. Um, no, I've written it on my hand like memento. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I okay. So Kira has been very uh, vocal over text today with me about her. Um, I'll just say it. She's not very pleased with my pick of the week this week, and she, I, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm guessing you're wondering why I picked this movie. Like why. I care about aging Cody Banks. Yeah, I... sure. <laughs> you want oh, to is that true? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, it's a very zillennial movie, but like, yeah. I just think it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well put. I have no nothing to add. <laughs> it's just... thank you for listening to this week's yeah, episode. Later, guys. <laughs> Let's wrap um, it up. <laughs> no, I just think it's like okay. Like, seriously, like, name a better opening to this movie, to any movie, uh, when he just, like, fucking saves that kid on the skateboard. Like, that's just about the coolest thing I've seen ever <laughs> in movie history. Like, that, this movie made me want to be a good person as a kid. <laughs> really? Because, like, nobody I, in this movie is a good person. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if that was my takeaway, to be honest. Well, as a kid, this is, like... I'm talking about, like, six-year-old Adam. I was like, he is a good person. He's also super cool. And he can talk to girls. And The whole point is that he can't talk to girls. Well, by the end, he can. After, yeah, after, like, 140 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, the entire point of this movie is he's an incel. And it's... It's damning. It's really... It's basically... It's basically Hitch, but Keith David is Will Smith. That's... Pretty amazing. That's a wow, nice. <laughs> I like that, Drew. Um, but yeah, my memories are just that I had this on, I think VHS, but it might have been DVD. Um, it's just definitely like coming out on the cusp of that like VHS DVD era, and I just watched it so many times as a kid. I'm not sure which one I watched more, uh, this or Destination London, but I loved both, and I just. I don't know, like, when you're a kid and you see this movie, it's just kind of the coolest thing ever, seeing a kid, like... Because, like, I grew up as a James Bond fan, so to see, like, a spy movie with Frankie Muniz, who was probably about my height at that time, I was like, <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, I can I can do this. Um, I don't know, I don't really have a lot to say off the top, but I, I have a lot of good memories with it, and it kind of held up for me on a silly, goofy level. Uh, Drew, what are your memories with it? I I also had this on VHS and watched the absolute hell out of it. Um, it didn't mean as much to me as a keeble, if you you know, if you will, or or even like Big Fat Liar, if we're mm-hmm. going Muniz, because those movies are a lot more grounded, 
and yet they they have a lot of the same themes, which is like you know becoming empowered. Keeble in this movie in particular are both about like overcoming anxiety in some way as a child, and so however like bizarrely handled it is in this movie, um, I could relate to a, you know a very short brunette boy being very anxious in life. Yeah. Um, beyond that, re upon rewatch, I was surprised by a lot of what's going on in the movie. Um, I do, we were talking about this before pod, uh, Adam, but, um, the sequel actually, I think is better. I think a lot of the key issues that you could have with this movie are not existent in the sequel and it increases in scale pretty effectively. Um, so I feel like this is very similar to the conversation we had, um, on what band when we talked national treasure compared to national treasure Two, And I'll say the same thing I said there where I'm like, I, think I agree, but I have to rewatch the second one before I can officially release a statement on which one I prefer. But um, I do remember loving the second one. And from what I remember, it gets like a bigger budget. And also Anthony Anderson is just a better like foil to his character than um, I forgot what this lady's name is. How uh, dare you? I'm so sorry. Angie Harmon. Sure. Oh, yeah. Rizzoli. 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 Yeah. To, to yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we'll, uh, well, we'll get back to Destination London one day. We'll make sure to call you, but uh, I'm Whoa. excited to read well, I'll, I'll keep your number for like six years from now once you do that. <laughs> uh, please do, please do. The, uh, the comparisons between the first and the second, I actually saw, um, not to jump ahead, but in the controversy section of the uh, Wikipedia page. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> MGM released a paragraph um when it was released on home video in response to the throwaway line of hillary duff saying are you in special ed <laughs> and they said regarding the references to special ed in the movie we in no way meant to be insensitive to kids with special educational needs rather it was meant to show how cruel kids can be to one another as you have seen Cody overcomes his own speech problems and saves the day. Thank you to those who brought this to our attention. We will be mindful of it in the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> so they we'll went on. Be, we're going to go ahead and not say that line again in the sequel. Yeah, thanks, exactly. Thanks, guys. We actually have it on record. They said it 10 times in the sequel. Um, <laughs> so we actually doubled down on it. Um, <laughs> Kira, did you have any memories with this movie? Um, well, I remember having the second one on DVD. Um, I don't remember if I've seen it, but I remember Hilary Duff being in this. However, when you first said that you wanted to watch Agent Cody Banks, my first thought was, oh, cool, the one with the go-karts that had Kristen Stewart in it? No, that is Catch That Kid. Oh, my. Speaking of movies that you guys <laughs> should do, that movie rocks. Yeah, yeah. That, movie, that movie rocks. I watched that all the time. And I remember there being like really good themes about like how fucked up the healthcare industry is in like yeah. in like America. Um and like she's like stealing money because her mom has cancer or something like that to like pay for her mom's cancer treatments. Her but yeah. some yeah, something. I'm a catch that kid head, you know, like okay, I Okay, sorry. No. no, that's a great movie. I saw that in theaters, but that yeah, that's also that's in the same like categories yeah it's very much like zillennial in that it's like like you said adam it's like 
fulfilling like that weird like fantasy of like a kid spy yeah <laughs> like I feel like that's such a specific like and also like a pr- like prep school like being in like a boarding school or prep school such like a weird like zillennial like fantasy that like we kept getting like bashed over the head with like Zoe 101 yeah yes absolutely um yeah I feel like well on top of like being a spy it's like they don't it also doesn't like negate all the like real like life issues like kids would have like it's like the wish fulfillment of like beating up the bully or like you know doing your chores or talking to girls like I that's what I kind of like about it is that like as I was re-watching it today I was like every level of this is really like wish fulfillment I guess for like any kid but specifically for like like boys in the like six to like 10 range when this came out. Like this is like very like, like the, the marketing execs of this movie, they knew exactly what they were doing when they made this movie. It's yeah. Uh, marketing specifically toward boys is what I had forgotten <laughs> that yes. this, this, this movie for, especially for it is PG, but for a kid's movie, it is wildly male gazy. <laughs> Yeah, yes. and it, insanely horny, like to a disturbing degree. It, it's I well, yeah. See, I didn't know if I could say horny, but that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's no, this... it's so insanely fucking horny. Yeah. For it, the it, whole it, runtime. Yeah. yeah. It's it's honestly really like I don't know if it's funny or disturbing to me because it's like on the one hand, like my I think one of my favorite scenes in this movie, and I say favorite very liberally. Um, is like when they have like the entire US government giving him a lesson on how to talk to a girl and they're all giving like different perspectives and it's maybe comedically the most awful timed thing I've ever seen like everyone is giving their absolute worst take comedically <laughs> and it's it's so funny to me Be- like it surpasses being unfunny that it regresses to being funny again like it's honestly kind of a magic trick that they pull off there I um, um I, I wrote down every character that they have help him learn how to get girls. Um, they have a rapper who gives advice in rhymes. They have Daryl Hammond of SNL. They have a really creepy old guy who's like a sociopath. And he's like, you got to find out about her exes. Uh, there's a war general. There's a, an expert on like human evolution. There's a guy who tells him to be stinky. That's my favorite part. <laughs> and then, <laughs> there's like throwback, a throwback to our Twilight series. There's when like every bitch was stinky. There, there's like uh, a, a like a very zen woman who seems like very emotionally intelligent, and she just gets steamrolled immediately. And then there is a uh, really horny hologram. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just gonna say the hologram is. This goes into the theory that Alexa Demi is like 50 because that looked like Alexa Demi. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's a very it's a very strange scene. It's I think my main issue with a lot of it that like really was like off putting to me was like how overtly horny it was for being a movie literally about children. And how it's, like, adults, like, bullying children into, like, being horny. But it's I so think funny, that's, like, though. the worst thing about this movie that, like, made me extremely uncomfortable. 
I I guess I could I would be upset or like find it as like a flaw if I didn't grow up with it and it didn't like kind of shape me in a comedic level. Like <laughs> this like, is what this is what people say when they're apologizing for saying like horrendous things on the internet, Adam. No, no, <laughs> like, I'm not. Yeah, I grew up around it. And... <laughs> yeah. I was I was Italian. I'm sorry. I just reveled in the culture. <laughs> here okay <laughs> cody banks enabled me <laughs> yeah he sets a bad example the thing that made me i think easily the most uncomfortable is the really bizarre uh like freudian relationship between cody and angie Harmon's character mm-hmm. where she's at once a mother figure um, a mother figure and then also like very sexualized for no reason at all uh yeah. that you could you could write an essay about that. That's very weird to do. Yeah, I mean, her entrance is like just bizarre. The way she like walks into like it's a middle school, right? Um, He's fifteen. Okay, so high school. Like he, she goes into a high school boys' locker room, and not only is that inappropriate within itself, she proceeds to whip them with towels and undress them and humiliate them in front of everyone. And, uh. Yeah, I mean, like, this movie is immediately horny. Like, it, like usually movies, like, hold back on their horniness until, like, the midway point. But this movie peaks early and then just keeps that peak the entire time. And it's kind of amazing, honestly, in that sense. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, one thing, like, probably, like, halfway through the movie, I, like, already knew that this would be, like, my note of, like, a way that they could fix it is, like... If, like, Cody's, like, because there's, like, no depth to this movie whatsoever. Like, there's no way, like, like, literally, like, who the fuck cares about any, sorry. Like, not to, like, go in deep immediately. But, like, say, like, if Cody's backstory was, like, his mom died. And then, like, rather than, like, like, what's her name? Being, like, sexualized in some way or something. She's just, like, a mother figure to him. And that is, like, a motivator. And it's not, like, fucking weird. Well, why does the mom have to die? That's, I don't know. Because it's, like, if he's, like, searching for a mother figure. Like, there's absolutely, like, zero emotion in this entire movie. Like, there, there's no, like, emotional stakes in any way. No chemistry. Like, no purpose for any, like, motivation. Any So, so you, you liked it, right? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. I had a great time watching it. It took me about seven hours to watch this. I just kept pausing it and going to do other things. We're already reveling with this new generation of uh, people with mommy issues on Twitter. And uh, I don't know if this movie with newfound mommy issues would have helped the case of those people. So I'll push back on that. This makes it worse, though. (laughs) I think that that genuinely is like a perfect fix for the movie though that because it doesn't make sense yeah, if, like whenever things get maternal with angie Harmon, it doesn't make sense and like they they play it for like real emotional beats which they don't even try most of the movie but those moments they really try to make you feel something and it's like well he's got a mom like yeah what, what is this about <laughs> you know like especially because he is in other scenes like pining after her practically so it becomes yeah. a very mixed bag of uh, this relationship. I 
I guess that's the difference here is, I mean, I'm not saying you guys are taking this like wildly seriously, but I'm approaching it from the lens of like, this movie is so fucking stupid. And I knew like, I'm, I'm fully aware of that. And I just had a blast. Like I rewatching it. It's just so absurd on every level that it's like, yeah, we could critique it and like workshop the script a little bit, but like, it's so 2003 at the same time that like I'm cool with this being like this is a lesson in the books right this is how you don't make movies anymore this is, <laughs> this a, is what we move past it's a time capsule yeah exactly we, we mustn't forget lest we repeat history <laughs> um that that's it when I was a kid all of the uncomfortable horniness of this movie played very successfully for me as like a young nine-year-old who had a very restricted like watching diet i wasn't allowed to watch anything remotely for adults this was probably one of the only pg movies i had um so i was like wow okay we're we're doing some shit in this movie (laughs) well and i i find it funny like immediately when starting the pod we went into like the horniness of it all and like to us that's the most absurd part but we're not even getting into the plot like the conceit that the government, the U.S. government, is recruiting fifteen-year-olds. Thirteen-year-olds. He got recruited at age thirteen from uh, responding to something from in a comic book that he read. It's so fucking funny. It was literally like the scene where they were like explaining how that worked. That was literally just like the opening titles of Black Widow, <laughs> with like that weird cover of was it like was it, it smells like teen spirit. yeah yeah. It might um, well have been that, literally. No, Same I mean... Yeah, no, uh, Cody Banks is literally an incel sleeper cell. Like, he <laughs> is... That's what he is. Um, but, no, I like, I find it so funny that they just... They recruit him, but he has no skill. Like, they have to teach him everything when he gets there. So it's like, what did he learn at this camp? Because... He has yes. no skill immediately. He well, he has no social skills, that's for sure. He he clearly has learned a thing or two about driving. Mm-hmm. Um, we get yeah. from the driver's ed scene and then beyond that, he's driving a Ferrari around. Those things are manual. <laughs> he he's a better yeah. driver than I am. Um, and then he he's got some stunts. Like, you know, he he's got like kung fu type stuff going on. Uh yeah. But I this was something that I was really foggy on. Upon remembering, because I was like, well, so like you said, it opens up with this action set piece that I agree. Like it also it was probably the best shot action in the movie because a lot of it toward the end gets pretty crummy. But yeah, it's him saving a little kid who's like, you know, in a speeding car going in reverse. And like, that's all fine and dandy. Um, And I think any other movie like maybe he would make the local news and then he would get recruited that way. Mm-hmm. Like the CIA would find him and be like, wow, this kid's got guts. Uh, or you would make the this a trilogy and the first movie is him at camp, right? Like I, I always, when I was a kid, I was always like, why, why are we just starting and he's already a secret agent? Like, why didn't we get to see him become one, you know? Yeah, and I mean, something I liked about the second one, from what I remember, is, like, you, you go back to the camp, but, like, the villain of the second one is the 
the counselor who like taught him how to do everything he knows how to do and like i remember that being like really cool like it was like a way to like learn about the past like but without making it a full prequel um but like i agree i think like it would have been a little more interesting if it like started from the ground up because there's so many like questions as to like okay so if he's good in this regard why is he so bad at everything else he's trying to do and and again like they never and not that i need a full explanation as to like why and how and agent cody banks but truly like what is the point of a kid spy because they never truly justify it. like they never tell us like why they couldn't just send an adult like i get like to get to hillary duff but by the time that happens it's like why was she the key there's also like her? there's also like no interaction between hillary duff and her dad in any way so like all that frankie Munoz had to do was like get inside the house and like literally any regular spy can go do that like a uh, regular spy can be like hi i'm your new housekeeper and then just like walk around the house that's you're describing the pacifier with vin diesel you're right literally damn which is which is like a much more sensible way of handling this scenario (laughs) the pacifier famously very uh down to earth and and logical that whole plot that's one um that needs to be covered soon on the pod um i that's come up in like my workplace quite often just like between my coworkers, we just talk about the pacifier <laughs> sometimes uh, but yeah i don't know like this entire movie is so goofy like even down to like in the opening when he one of my favorite zillennial tropes of like all time is a skateboarding sequence where he goes through a, contru- a construction site and they do some kind of skateboarding trick on the construction site and here he got, he does a full circle. For some reason, I remembered this. I don't know why. It's um, awesome. That's why. Yeah, zooming up from that, I, I, for something that I would like put up for debate as whether or not it's Z canon in general is just extreme sports. Oh yeah, movie. absolutely. Because yeah. they're gone now. Like you know, it's not zeitgeisty to put a skateboarder, a snowboard yeah. in your movie. Well, when they got the extreme primate doing, uh, you know, extreme stunts, it was just kind of game over after that. Because mm-hmm. no one could do it better than him. Yeah, sort of jumped the monkey on that one. Yeah, MVP over there. Um, but yeah, so like his entire deal is that he has to go to a boarding school to become her they even said like not just get close to her be her boyfriend and get that close with her and then just like dispose like just like completely like ghost her after that was the idea which these guys are like psychopaths in the cia like it's these people are like clinically i do like that like i like movies where yeah, exactly. I like movies where the adults are, for the most part, stupider than the kids, you know? And most of the adults in this are really dumb. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah, everyone, even Keith David, who, like, by the way, great, great actor. But um, the way he's handling this material is just, it's hilarious. The way he's, like, you know, having line delivery. And, like, he's somehow dumber than everyone, like, the kid but he seems to still be the smartest one in the room, which is like a good balancing act. I think it's really funny the way they pull that off. Um, really the only one is Angie Harmon, the only somewhat intelligent adult in this entire movie. Yeah, um, and she is 
dumped on so hard by everyone the whole time. Just for a lot of the time, just for like kind of being a woman, it seems like almost like they're yeah. just like, oh god, she's freaking, she sucks. She's doing her fucking job. Like, I mean, yeah. it's just it's so funny. <laughs> and like all literally the punchline of like half of the like quote-unquote jokes that are told are just like her boobs literally like her boobs are referenced like countless amounts of times in this by like adults and children yeah the multiple times when she enters hot in her place yeah by nelly even like cody (laughs) banks's dad like when she like approaches their house yeah, which I do like the line, like the callback to that, where he's like, "Yeah, that's my dad." So I'm, I'm cringe, Angie. What do you want from me? <laughs> yeah. Um. um but yeah, they, they fit her up in some, some wild pantsuits. Yeah. It, like even Ian McShane like makes a joke about that at the end. It's like you can fit a gun in there, like, and it's. I mean, I do like. Yeah, this movie is like extremely sexist at parts. But, like, also, like, I'm so glad we've kind of, like, passed this point where it's, like, all these, like, skimpy, like, very tight outfits. Like, because it's just, it looks very uncomfortable the entire time. And I, like, I was concerned a majority of this movie. Like, and also, it's no wonder that she didn't return for the sequel. Like, why would she? Angie Harmon, I feel like, is, like generally speaking what has she been in like i know brazilian isles of course and this Mm -hmm. but it like she seems good it's hard to judge anyone's quality of acting in a movie like this but like where's she been at you know um i mean i feel like i've just seen her a lot on okay yeah so i was gonna say on tnt a lot but i was wondering if that was just because of brazilian isles but apparently um she's on law and order quite a bit which seems right yeah, she was recurring for a while. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess, like, I mean, she's done, like, a lot of TV work here and there. She's had a few, like, failed pilots. Um, is, she, is she related to Mark? I feel like she is. Um, I don't see any, like, resemblance in the face, but I wouldn't be surprised if, like, um, they that was... They are related. How so? No, they're not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> JK. Um... Now that's a crossover I like to see. Rizzoli and Isles and NCIS. <laughs> Agent Cody Banks has to deal with like a naval crime. Agent Cody Banks fucking dies. Um. <laughs> um, one thing that when I was reading through like the cast and crew, actually two things. So I had no idea who she was either. But something, one, that is very important is that Jason Alexander was supposed to direct this. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yes. I had... You're, I'm hearing this talk for the first time. And Let me... <laughs> <laughs> Live reaction vlog. Let's put a pin in that one. Another thing, too, is I just had the credits playing because whatever. And Madonna executive produced this. And I, like can't really i i i don't understand why like her production company had the script 
called Maverick Films, but, like, there's, like, no explanation of it in, like, the production section of the Wikipedia page or anything. I can actually tell you why. Why? Um, Because both Agent Cody Banks and Agent Cody Banks 2 are uh, money laundering schemes, and these movies were entirely (laughs) made with that intention. That's why she, uh, she produced it. Okay. This was written by a team... Uh, like a tandem of two plus one, but the tandem of two wrote Thor one. Uh, they wrote X Men First Class, which I actually like. It's a good movie. Um, and then this might shock you, but television. <laughs> uh, I'm so yeah. Well, this very much like kind of reeks of like a movie that was developed in a lab. Like, I would say it's almost the same equivalent as, like, Disney Plus shows where, like, they have the general concept of, like, what the company wants, like, the product to be. And they get a bunch of, like, TV writers to just write the expository dialogue and general plot ideas, if that makes sense. Like, it's less about the actual story and the jokes, which seems absurd to say aloud, as it is, we are going to make a movie to market a team or, like, by kids, just specifically boys. And that's it. That it doesn't matter about anything else, just the marketing of it all. Mm-hmm. And that's what this movie feels like. That yeah, that that makes perfect sense. It does another thing on the Wikipedia for it is that um it was developed as part of an MGM like strategic move, like like you said basically, like a bigger yeah. chess move to make cheaper movies that appeal to younger people. Um also Frankie the lad got paid $2 million to do this. I mean, that makes a lot of sense in the sense the, that, like, that's why he did it. The <laughs> most an actor had made since Macaulay. Wowie yeah. zowie. He was having a moment and a half. Yeah, I mean, go him. Because, like, I mean, Malcolm, um, I was going to say Malcolm and Murray. Malcolm in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Malcolm and Murray in the middle. <laughs> good um that's just about one of the best sitcoms of the 21st century um and absolutely and like it's no surprise like why frankie Muniz like like made it big like it because he had he had genuine charisma like back in the day like when he was acting um and like i would still say he's like good in this movie like if like whenever the script or the story or literally anything else fails I think he's pretty much always giving it his all. And he's like a really pretty admirable, like one of the best of the best kid actors there is. I, um, I, I told my sister that I was uh, doing a podcast about this movie. She was immensely jealous. Um, <laughs> th- but yeah, we, we both used to watch this movie a ton together. So I, I've taken, she sent me Buku takes <laughs> over the last like few hours. Um, like you, Kira, she did have to take a break in the middle she went into it like a yoga <laughs> class in the middle of it and came back a little more settled um her her first thing she said was that hot take is that hillary duff just couldn't stand up to the acting frankie's putting on honestly yeah hillary duff's like screams i feel like are like something like I, like when she like screams when she's like in peril or like it's like a very specific noise and I think <laughs> that it's not good 
<laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Like, it's very like like somebody's like, okay, now scream, and she's just like she like pauses and then she's like, ah. Yeah, they're not they're not very like loud or like stressed out in any way. Remember yeah, that um yeah. that IMAX uh the mummy trailer that got uploaded on accident? It's just Tom yeah. Cruise screaming <laughs> and no other audio. That's what it's like. It's like um she's screaming like she like has a bug on her, you know, and she's yeah. like about to get incinerated. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. bullets are flying, the building's collapsing. Ah, like, you know, it's <laughs> um it took um, 80 takes and that's what they got. Yeah. One of the um one of the scenes in which she's screaming, I have to bring up this scene. This is the scene in which I was like, this movie is fucking disgusting. Okay. The driver's ed scene. <laughs> I cannot believe like how disturbingly like just like racist, like terribly shot like horrible to watch like gave me a headache that entire scene is yeah you do you do forget about mr yip uh, the second they said mr yip i was like yeah this can go like two ways and i already know the way it's gonna go yeah we we know where this is going Oof. um yeah i mean my lawyers advised me not to talk about this scene uh because i have said previously that this is a good movie so i can't (laughs) (laughs) that that part is interesting also really interesting to me is that that was his move on hillary is he's like i know how to make her love me i'm gonna drive like a fucking maniac it makes no sense (laughs) like also it's not it doesn't even look fun and like it's Another thing that's really weird about, like, her character is, like, she's, like, giggling in the backseat, like, while it's happening. And then she, like, pretends to be hurt when it yeah. she gets out of the car. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, it, They're trying to establish that, like, you know, she has appearances to keep up. And, like, Frankie's so uncool that she has to, you know, she has to act like she didn't just have apparently a great time uh, in the back of a yeah, car that almost flipped over. Yeah. 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 It. That entire sequence makes absolutely no sense. And then, like, to top it off, CIA agents, like, they, like, just kidnap the driving instructor. And they, like, force him to give Frankie a, uh, Frankie, Cody, a driver's license. But Um, but they don't cut away from that scene before uh, being, like, oh, I don't have my immigration papers. Oh, my God. Did he say that? Yeah, something like something oh. about immigration papers. Oh no. So Kira, oh. <laughs> don't make me look like I cause I, I came in to the start of the pod hot. Like I was like this movie rules. <laughs> now I'm now I look really bad. Um <laughs> like what I wanted to come in like that, but watching this movie, I was like, I don't know if that's the angle. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't strategize this right. Um, No, I think, okay. Yeah, clearly this movie's not great, but I still contend there's a lot of things, I'd say elements that are just really fucking cool. Like, do those elements make a good movie, like narratively, culturally, on any critical thinking level? No. 
Uh, but if you're, if you're a little little boy, especially like cis yeah. <laughs> little straight white boy watching this, it was made to exploit your like base instincts. Exactly, <laughs> and it just made me like a primate at a young age. Like, it just... <laughs> like... <laughs> just imagining you like sitting and just like making like monkey noises, just like screaming at, just like flashing lights on a TV, like... I mean, I did that today when I... Like, this movie literally makes me regress back to Monkey, you know? It... <laughs> that's the power of Banks, man. Banks. Yeah. Saving Mr. Banks is the, is the sequel to this. Wow. <laughs> that completes the trilogy, actually. Yeah. Sort of a backdoor reboot. Later in life, Cody Banks uh, opened his new world. Yeah, they couldn't get Frankie, so they got the closest thing, which is Tom Hanks. We're just going to really quick take a break for a word from some of our sponsors. Thanks, guys. Hey, friends. Do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? Of course you do. That's why you listen to this podcast. It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, Zillennial Canon Award winner, I'll add that, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies By Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors, like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and shifts with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. As a special gift to you, because we love you and appreciate you, listeners can save 10% on their next order with code SUPERZILLENNIAL in all caps with no spaces at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Thank you so much, Superyaki, for sponsoring this episode. Let's watch more movies, guys. Um, so here's the biggest bombshell that my sister dropped on me by far. This is, I think that this is legitimate conspiracy fodder, okay? Okay. Um, this is what Drew does best, by the way, guys. He, he, he comes <laughs> with conspiracies. It, yeah, so now you'll know that it runs in the family. It's not just me. Um. <laughs> So Hilduff, around this time, Hilduff and Hilduff. Frankie dated for like well over a year. Like they dated for a while. Oh. Um, broke up. They still. Uh, you you recently retweeted on the Z Cannon account a like <laughs> an arguably sad uh, Frankie Muniz tweet about mm-hmm. Hil- Hillary Duff. But I think that they it's kind of mutual that they like both are remained like very fond of each other. Hillary Duff has a child whose name is Banks. Oh my god. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's not even a conspiracy. That's just oh. like a very like Cuz why would you ever name a child Banks? Otherwise, you know? Like that's outrageous. 
That's insane to me. Who's the father? Who just allowed this? <laughs> well, maybe this is what ultimately ended their relationship. Is she she wanted him to be Cody? You know, oh my God. You know the meme on Twitter where it's like uh, my wife's boyfriend. Um, yeah. It's a uh, Hillary Duff's husband. Like a uh, her boyfriend is just Frankie Muniz, and the <laughs> husband is just building his Lego sets in the other room. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, yeah. No, this is great. This is this is really interesting. Uh, we're gonna have to like look into this a little bit further. I know this is at least at the very least it's worthy of a Twitter thread. It really <laughs> and is. I'll, and I'll see what else I can do with it. <laughs> Please, I just I'm gonna ask you to be safe with this information because the last time you pulled on some strings with conspiracy theories, people came after you. I. The people who need to know about Sylvester Stallone, they know. <laughs> Listen, I was trying to avoid saying his name, but uh, you you did it. You, also, uh, like, let's not, like, speak anything into existence, like, on this episode. Because if you guys remember, when you were on for the Lizzie McGuire movie, which, what is it with you and Hilary Duff? Um, but... The day after we recorded, before the episode was even released, they canceled the reboot. <laughs> so let's not speak, like, anything into existence, because let's leave Hillary Duff alone. <laughs> That's fair. I don't... Yeah, I didn't say what my sister said earlier about Hillary. I think that it's just... She has one one bag she has one bag as as an actress and i think she's really good at just being like during the movie when she is just being like that like like girl next door sort of snooty and popular but like also you can tell she's good in, in her heart she mm -hmm. like she's doing perfectly fine at that it's like you said like you noted specifically like her screams generally whenever the the stakes get high she just she doesn't have that you know yeah yeah, I mean, I mean, she's immensely talented, like, as a... Because, like, it's one of those things where you're hard-pressed to find someone who is, like, good at, like, literally everything. Like, I would say Zendaya is, like, one of the very few who is pretty perfect at anything you could, like, like singing, like, acting, like, whatever. This, but, uh, this movie with younger Holland and Zendaya? Oh, oh my, my God. God. Oh, my God. Come on. I was, um, I was having, like, the, uh, the opposite thought of this where i was thinking about frankie muniz as peter parker uh which that would have that would have been killer if yeah had, the timelines i guess just didn't quite like line up but he would be the biggest no-brainer choice of all time like right yeah he, no absolutely because like i always say that like a like the perfect peter parker is basically michael j fox and like back to the future mm -hmm. which is also tom holland's very good at acting like that um but that like you know, that's where you would snipe from is like the kid who's the best at being on a sitcom. You just take him and make him be like regular, but then put upon by like superpowers. Yeah. And I think I guess I'll like circle back to like reasons why I like this shitty movie is it taps into like those same things, like wish fulfillment things like that Spider-Man does for kids. I feel like where it's like, well, like Spider-Man in general, like does it way better than this movie. <laughs> Like superpowers, special agent, like they're all like one in the same through like the lens of like a little kid. And there's something cool about like being told that or like the idea that like you would be special enough to like 
be a secret agent and that like out of all the kids in America, they chose you. Mm. And like, that's just cool. And like that you have like this entire funding behind you. Like that scene where like he, they just give him like, uh, like over a thousand dollars. Um, and it's like, hell yeah, dude. Um, there's just like, yeah. a, a lot of like wish fulfillment. And like when you're watching as a six or seven year old, you're like, you're not thinking critically whatsoever about anything that's going on here. <laughs> well, I of think course, no, of course not. Also, like, to make it, like, um, like, more so, like, how it's, like, more relatable, I guess, a little bit more grounded is specifically because, like, as opposed to every single other movie we have ever covered on this podcast, the main character is a 15-year-old that actually looks like a 15-year-old. Yes. How how old is he in like I, let's say they're shooting in 02 like how old was our boy? Um he feel like he was young. Like you can't fake that. Yeah. And Hillary Duff was really young too, which I can respect. Um he was I think 17 2002. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean he looked younger, but um yeah, I think that that's definitely a fault in other movies. However, I think the fact that they actually look their age in this like makes it all the more weird, all the sexual <laughs> stuff. Not to like bring it back around to that. But. No, yeah, you're. I mean, yeah, you're dead right about that. And also, it's it's weird demographically because, um, there like even in even in something like way more tame than this, there's like usually some amount of like horniness like like in i hate to just keep bringing up max keeble you guys but uh oh, in max keeble like he like like there there's that same thing where like when the, whenever like a female character enters they drop they do a sound drop and it's like things slow down blah 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 but like this movie goes like there's x-ray vision uh like goggles or whatever and like it, it's i don't know it's just so forthright with it all for a children's movie and uh, I bring that up because Rotten Tomatoes, like I think upon its release, like their their like little blurb summation that they do was that uh, it might provide entertainment for like younger teens, but not for anyone else. And I was like, younger teens, like what? When you're a younger teen, the last thing you're trying to watch is a movie for younger teens. You're trying to watch movies for adults. Like, yeah. this is for kids, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I can't imagine, like, if this came out when I was, like, 12 or 13, I probably wouldn't like it, I don't think. I mean, well, it's maybe. So, it's like a, because it's such, like, a like a paint-by-numbers movie once you get past, like, the magic yeah. of being a child and being like, wow, what if that was me, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Because, like, I'm thinking back, because, like, I was, like, 13 in 2010, and, like, the kind of stuff I was watching around that time was, like, Inception was very formative at that time. Because it made all of the 13-year-olds, like, feel smarter than they were. And that's why that was so appealing to, like, the masses back then. Um, but, like, if this came out, then, it, yeah, no, it would have absolutely done even worse. And, like, um, I think me and Drew were talking about this earlier. Or I mentioned it to him over text. But, like, um, another thing about, like, the marketing and, like, the, the whole, like, that side of this movie is that on the VHS for this movie, they had a trailer for Agent Cody Banks 2 before they even shot the movie in front of it. It came um, out exactly a year after this one. Wow. Yeah, they, they had a teaser for Agent Cody Banks 2 without, like I said, no footage of the actual movie. It was just um, Frankie Muniz in front of a giant 2. 
um, talking about how sequels are always bigger. And then he like he pans out to the giant too. It's like, see, I told you it would be bigger. And then, oh my god. Um, yeah, I mean Hollywood, baby. What, what's what is there to say, really? Um, they don't do it like that anymore. I feel like I was I was talking to Sean about something, and I was like, oh, about Don't Breathe too. I was like, I feel like it's a very 2000s thing to, like, actually put, like, two or, like, three in the title of your movie when it's, like, a sequel. And I just think that, like, like something like Don't Breathe 2 or, like, Agent Cody Banks 2, like, it's, like, it's extremely funny to me. Like, especially when it's, like, a serious movie, like, Don't Breathe or whatever. But... No, you're right. It's, like, it's extremely funny, like... Well, like even now when they when movies do it, they do like um, like Roman numerals instead of like like English like numerical like twos, you know. Like it's not like they try to do like don't breathe like two or like whatever. But no, there's a literal two on that. No, no, no. I mean like that was a, <laughs> number two. No, but I mean like that's what makes it weirder. But like yeah. Creed two was like Roman numerals and stuff, and like so even when they do it, like other movies try to stay away from it. But like yeah. don't breathe well, two. Don't Breathe 2 also struck me, like, seeing that trailer in the theater, because there's not even, like, a colon and then, like, yeah, you know, uh, something to establish that things are going to be different in the second one. You know, like, Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London. You're right, though, that they could have just called it Agent Cody Banks, Destination London. Yeah. Like, there's no need, but either way, just Don't Breathe 2. I agree, <laughs> like, I saw that, I was like, huh, Okay. Yeah. Or you could have even done like don't breathe T O O, like don't breathe too. Like you you should also not breathe. Um Don't don't breathe either. Don't don't, don't breathe. Don't there. breathe again. Oh yeah, you're still not good. breathing. <laughs> Hope you're dead. Um uh yeah, for the listeners wondering about don't breathe too, it fucking sucks. So that's also part of it. Um not not a good time at the movies. Um, but yeah, so like another thing about this movie is like, aside from the horniness and like the weird plot points and everything we mentioned, it also gets surprisingly, I'll say a little bit violent at the end for a kid's movie. Okay. Yeah. Particularly because, uh, the, the big, you know, MacGuffin thing of the movie is these nanobots that are like, you know, they're the Hilduff's dad is actually a good dude and he tries to uh, he wants them to be used on oil spills. Um, and he, in order to make money off of it, he immediately takes his product to the most diabolical man on earth <laughs> and, and tries to sell it. Um, and then, yeah, there's just the most like, like straightforwardly villainous group of guys you've ever seen in your life. But yeah, so that, that's, that kind of shocked me at the end. I was like, Oh, he ate the nanobots. Like, holy moly and we get like just literally about a half second of the most like what would be an incredibly obscene like body horror death in like an adult movie yeah i was like waiting for it to like go all off with it um and then i remember it was a pg movie um but like yeah i i remembered that that happened but i was like watching very closely as it was happening because i forgot how much they actually showed of it all happening 
Um, but even like aside from like the nanobots thing, which just in concept is like very weird for this movie, I think. Um, also that scene where like she he's like a torturing Hillary Duff by like holding the nanobot eyes like, over her forehead. Is that weird or it's very yeah. weird. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I it yeah, it, it's scary. Like it's creepy. Like, yeah. But like even aside from that, like Cody gets like beat up in this movie at the end. Like truly, like he's like bleeding. He's he takes a beating. And I think that was also part of the appeal to me as a kid. Because like again, as a six-year-old, this movie through that lens, it's like this is the most violent thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I thought he was such a badass because he he gets his ass handed to him and he still walks away. And uh like I don't know. I it just has like a lot of spy tropes, but like for kids and I it was kind of cool. I don't know. Not saying it still is, but it was back then. I mean, of course, I agree. Like, yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> I was so into, especially like the third act, just the entire like snow base deal. Like, I was, I thought it was yeah. sick as hell. Um, I, I, I now I'm embarrassed that I wrote this down, but I wrote, <laughs> if you look, if you look closely during the snow base sequence, you can see Inception swimming in its wake. <laughs> um it, which i don't know i feel like the first time i saw inception i was like oh yeah it's like cody it's like, <laughs> <laughs> um you get easily the coolest angie Harmon fit in the movie that that like chromed out pantsuit you you could wear that today it'd be cool as hell yeah, black um, widow eat your heart out like this is here's here's a question that like single rider like standing up helicopter thing she has is that a real thing yeah i have it do you want me to show you <laughs> okay well yeah. <laughs> I there's, mean, like a, there's like a guy in my town that like goes hang gliding but it's like a like a um like a lawnmower like motor attached to it, and everyone fucking hates him um <laughs> like long story short like it's very like loud <laughs> But it's basically, it's kind of the same thing. But I think it's like a lawn chair. It's not like a stand-up thing. It's so funny. <laughs> Everyone hates Because it's so loud. Like, he'll just, like, go over your house. But, yeah, like, it, I mean, it's possible. It's possible. He goes over it. people's houses. <laughs> yeah, he flies. <laughs> that's actually, that's fascinating. Um, <laughs> so it's similar. It's kind of possible. What? I said his name is Cody Banks. No. Uh, oh. I forget what his name is, but he used to come into my old job. Um, did he come, if, Did he park that thing outside of the shop? And then, like, no, what? if I'm remembering correctly, like, if it is the same guy, he's, like, the kind of guy that has, like, 20 million different jobs. Like, you know, those kind of guys. And you're, like, That's you definitely, right. like, do, like, illegal shit. Um, one of his jobs that I had no idea about was that he has, like, a crime scene cleanup business. And also, he has Wait. a girlfriend who is, like, extremely young, who is, like, a bodybuilder. It's, like, the most unhinged thing of all time. <laughs> Literally. Why? Kira, why isn't this the only thing you talk about? <laughs> <laughs> this, is the, this is the most fascinating thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm deeply into this guy's life right oh now. Oh, my I, God. I, I need to remember what his name is. I'll ask my little brother because he's been at like barbecues when the guy has been there. <laughs> he's been there cleaning up the dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
What else does he do other than like clean up dead bodies, fly over houses? I feel like like he something with like three D printing. Also, I know that like something because like one of the first three D printed houses was like kind of nearby to me. I think he had something to do with it. I this okay. You know, I would literally ask my little brother to like go on the mic and talk about it because he knows him better than I do. I just used to make his coffee, but like at my old job. What was his coffee order? I'm pretty sure he would get like a vanilla latte for his girlfriend and then um, with like skim milk because she's a bodybuilder. And then (laughs) his was usually just like, I think, half and half and sugar. Thing. Okay. No coffee, right? Yeah, yeah, no coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> when he ordered the coffee, did he specifically say for my bodybuilder girlfriend? No, she would walk in with him. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm just imagining Cody Banks and Angie Hartman right now, like walking in together to the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like uh, the rules are switched though. Like Angie's buying. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That. I, yeah. I like. It's not. It's not worth diving too deep into. But like the the mommy complex thing is so weird with him and Angie. Yeah. Like so. Like when he tries to get on her little helicopter machine, like face first. Yeah. Like, what the? F-? Like she's <laughs> the one who's like like doing mom stuff to you, like straightening out your hair or whatever. Like, what? What are we watching right now? Do you think that? one of the reasons why they cast him or like the way that they like blocked that scene was because he is the exact same height as her breasts. That's that's how they did the casting. Yeah. Yeah. That was on the casting call actually. Like I, I could imagine them being like, okay, for this close up, like you have to stand on like a half inch block so that you're exactly at eye level with her boobs. Like it needs to be like exactly the same level. Who who is who? Because like obviously a lot of this is baked into the script. Mm-hmm. So is it them? Like, is it their fault? <laughs> See, that's the thing. I I think for me, and it's just like me as an outsider's perspective, I get back to like the executives of it all. Like I think the executives, the marketing people, because this again really does like feel like a movie that was just made in a boardroom, like uh, through and through. Um, that's why you have the trailer for the second one in front of the first one. There was not even a, a full year gap between the two. Um, it, I think that's what it is. It's just like an exec thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's like a, you know, someone who is so far removed from resembling anything like a child trying to put themselves in the head of a child. Like what I want when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like my mother, but also she's hot. (laughs) I'm just imagining like a boardroom where it's like, imagine your mother, but she's like (laughs) a Bond girl. Um, So this movie did kind of like, I don't think this is a good box office return. It only did 58 million worldwide uh, and 47 million of that was domestic. It only did 10 million internationally which that's i mean i guess it makes sense considering it's such like a hoorah american movie Mm. but like 
I don't know. That's like that doesn't really seem like a movie that you make a direct sequel for, like right away. I feel like so this movie came out two years after Spy Kids, which yes. is not super male gazy. It gives you like it gives all kids something to uh like a wish to be fulfilled. And generally speaking, is like cool as fuck. Like Spy Kids abs like it rocks so hard. It's so it has a big but not as bigger as you would think with like how how bi- much bigger the scale is, you know? Um yeah. I I can't help but think that like the it's funny to call it market saturation, but like do we need two spy movies for kids? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think maybe this would have worked better as like a standalone thing instead of like trying to be like a franchise builder. Because like if you saw like a one and done story of like him as a spy, it would have been better. But like Spy Kids was, I mean, what it took four films, I think, by the yeah. end of it. Um, I never saw the fourth one, but like the the first three like had a hold on pop culture um, at the time of its release. Oh. And, yeah, here's another. Yeah, Spike is two even came out before this movie. There are two yeah. Spike is movies before this movie. Yeah, and I think oh yeah, Spike is three came out the same year as this movie. Oh my god! Wow, they really they really pumped them out. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Um, what you said about like market saturation of like spy stuff because yeah, I'll bring it up. This is um a few years oh after god. Austin Powers. Um. <sighs> Goldmember was, I think, 2001 or 2002, maybe. And it's just very... Like, I know that, like, spies are always, like, a thing in pop culture. But it's very weird, like, in the early 2000s, like, how much they were, like, ingrained in, like, specifically, like, 90s to 2000s. Like, yeah. Yeah, I feel, I feel like maybe like just before that there was sort of a, a lull, you know, where it it just cyclically like came back because like earlier '90s, I'm not, you know, you're thinking of like what Brosnan Bond movies, those didn't yeah. do, like gangbusters. So yeah, yeah. so I, I guess feel like just, oh, spies are are big again. Let's let's yeah. them out. Well, that's why when they did Casino Royale with the reboot, it was like they strayed completely away from like the goofiness of like Pierce Brosnan. It was like the first casino, like the first Daniel Craig movie is a really serious, like, sp- like spy thriller. And it's great. It's fantastic. Um, so it almost felt like they were, they were trying to exit that like early 2000s era of like goofy, like spy hijinks and gadgets and, yeah. you know, cars that do crazy things. Like, also, I want to say, I'm looking at the box office mojo page for Agent Cody Banks 2, and it did terrible at the box office. Um, it did $28 million worldwide. Um, 23 of that was domestic, only $5 million internationally. Um, that's, and especially, like, for a movie set in London, I'm guessing that's part of the exact thing, where it did so bad internationally but for the first movie, they were like, okay. Mm-hmm. He has to go abroad this time. We have to get our international appeal. Um, and it's still bombed. And that's yeah. why he never got an Agent Cody Banks 3. Also probably because he was, like, approaching his 20s by this point. And I'm guessing he didn't. And they weren't offering him, like, millions of dollars after the first two anymore. Wow, I, I can't believe, yeah, it flopped so hard, the second one. 
I'm wondering how much he was offered to return for the sequel. Or, like, I'm wondering if, because the, the contract that you mentioned, Drew, about um, uh, him getting $2 million for the first one, I wonder if that was, like, a joint contract for, like, to film them both, like, back-to-back. Um, and that was part of the appeal? Because oh. I can't imagine they offered him a lot of money for the second one if it was, like, a separate contract. You're No, you're yeah. totally right. This is a package deal because also, like, you, like... A movie like the first one, which has maybe like an 80, 90 percent return on investment, you don't just automatically give that a sequel. Like the yeah. sequel is already in the bag, you know? Yeah. And usually um, I think I talked about it. Yeah, it was on the Scream 2 episode that we did where Scream 2 is one of those movies sequels that uh, came out either exactly a year or less than a year after the first movie. But it was only because they did not even, like, write that. Like, Kevin Williamson wrote that as, like, a standalone horror movie originally. But test screenings were so amazing for it that they were like, there's kind of, like, no way this doesn't do amazing at the box office. So, like, let's get ahead on a sequel. And I think they waited until right after the reception came out and the box office came out. And then they greenlit shooting it. But they had the script ready, which I feel like's the move. Like, that's a better play. Than like full on shooting it before the first one even comes out. Well, you're you're also insane. talking about like a very successful, very good franchise. Like there probably wasn't even like a script for Cody Banks. Like that's yeah, it's true. <laughs> like no, I mean that's what I meant earlier when I was like yeah, it, like there's a script, but only like in the sense of like check like check marks to like meet. Of, yeah. Like, quotas to fill <laughs> of like product placement and uh um like things to market and things like that yeah no completely ahead of its time in that respect true <laughs> this is one of the first algorithm movies yeah before, before they had the algorithm yeah yeah this is what uh don Cheadle was talking about in space jam 2 i think <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's named after is uh, the computer that made agent cody bags <laughs> Honestly, just imagine that role in Space Jam 2, but played by Frankie Nunez, and it would have been fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think you guys talked me off a ledge with this one. Like, it, <laughs> it's not... <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not great. After the positivity Sima. ledge. Yeah. The positivity. Like, I was, I was so close to, like, being content with my um, consumption of music. Well, no, for for what it was trying to accomplish, it worked for sure. Um, <laughs> like it worked on me when I was when I was eight or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have a few more like spare thoughts. Um, the only time that I like genuinely actually laughed in the movie is when, uh, he like he Frankie is uh meeting all of the agents out in the van and they're all crammed in there. You know that moment, and then afterward when the the CIA agent agent's like oh your dog pooped twice and frankie's like okay and then the agent puts the bag of dog shit in his jacket pocket and he just lets the dog like piss on his shoes i'm like you could have just moved your feet dude what are you doing (laughs) that that was a funny funny gag to me it's just like why why man what's wrong with you um up until the um infamous special ed line that they do twice in this movie not yeah yeah um i thought the cut to him like from um what's his name saying like he's quite the lady killer and the hard cut to like him like stuttering with the girl like there's some that was funny that was funny i'll say there's some decent like editing and 
dare I say, comedic direction at very minimal points in this movie. <laughs> no, that I, I actually I clocked that too. That like the the hard cut and yeah. it's, and it's not like you know it's not the beginning of him stuttering. It's like mid stutter. Yeah, no, that's what made it funny. Yeah, like, it's very it's, that's good. Yeah, there's like a little. Speaking of that, by the way, I I wrote this down. Oh, sorry, I'm I'm lagging right now. You can go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say that happens like a few times. So like I it makes me feel like there maybe there is like a Snyder cut version of this movie <laughs> that we need to advocate for. Um but, Alexander cut. The G- oh goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on it, Kira. Don't tell me twice. Um release the George cut. <laughs> uh but go off, Drew. Um one thing that I to me is Zeke Cannon is um an, a character having an inability to talk to their love interest to a degree that's like medically alarming. <laughs> like to it's to an extent that you're like almost worried about like what's what's going on with him that he yeah. cannot speak to anyone that he is remotely attracted to. Yeah, yeah, I mean I mean like same, that's just me like on the daily, but it <laughs> Like, we've all been there, am I right, fellas? That's the thing. I was, uh, yeah, I was very much like that in the past. I, I still am, but I used to be too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like, like, more than we like to admit, Agent Cody Banks is a man of the people. And... <laughs> it's, like, it's like you're writing, like, a take article. Like... <laughs> Is it time to re-examine Cody Banks? <laughs> yeah, I, I think Vulture. Someone needs to like hire me just so I can like. I want to. I want so badly to just like write like a headline piece, and I want to see like absolutely no one click on the article. Just like a headline piece for quote retweets only. <laughs> That's what I want my job to be. That's all I want. Yeah. How much do Jean Dielman and Agent Cody Banks Destination London have in common? More than you think. <laughs> This is Watch Mojo. This is- down. <laughs> Watch Mojo has like a special top one channel for things that there are not ten examples of. <laughs> There's one similarity between these two things. I, I feel uh, like Watch Mojo Lady and Marina Menunos would be friends. Yeah. Oh God. Fanfic time. <laughs> but just like like friendship fanfic, you know. Yeah, yeah. Respectable fanfic. Yeah. yeah. Um one one other thing that uh, to me is is millennial canon is practicing a phone call a million times and then just absolutely fucking up like the first chance you get. Yeah, yeah. It's literally me when I like order food or like make a doctor's appointment. Yeah, I was gonna say that's me at a job interview, but honestly, it's probably like me at like any given task. Yeah, it's, at a drive-through. Yeah, exactly. It's me at a drive-through. Oh yeah, the other night when I was at Taco Bell at a drive-through. The lady, like, she literally came to the intercom, like, and she said, Taco Bell, what do you want? And I'm like, I- I'm sorry. And, like, and then I like, proceeded my word. <laughs> like, I had to apologize immediately because I'm like, I don't want to do this to you, but I also really want to crunch up. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any, uh, any other final notes that you have, Drew? Uh oh man, these these notes are so stupid. No, please fire them off. Um, if extreme sports were not 
acceptable for being Zillennial canon. One thing that definitely is is like jet powered skateboards and yes. snowboards. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, because those those seem to pop up. They popped up so much that I was dead sure that they were not only going to be a thing. I was dead sure they already were a thing. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, if I have enough money, I'm just gonna grab one. What else have they been in? Like, I'm trying to remember uh, other they, Z canon movies. I mean, they they popped up in like Rocket Power. For an episode or two. Yeah. Um, I feel like, uh, you remember that Disney movie, Jet Jackson? Yeah. He had, like, he that's another, like, um, special agent teenager thing. Um, where he definitely had, like, a lot of those kind of, like, special skateboard. Like, he had all that cool shit. Um, did the Spy Kids ever have stuff like this? Or was it all kind of just, like, goofy shit? I don't know. The thing... The, the funny thing in Spy Kids is they get this, like, a lot of incredible technology, but the thing they use easily the most is just that gum that shocks people. Yeah. Well, I like, gum. well like, no one in Spy Kids has, like, a jetpack from what I remember, but that one girl has, like, the dumbest thing ever where her pigtails, like, turn into helicopter, like, plates, <laughs> and she just, like, fucking flies. He just unlocked a memory. I was sitting here being like, <laughs> I don't really remember anything from Spy Kids. No, that one just unlocked a memory. They, that the first one has such an interesting feel to it. It's so it's so bizarre. The tech because yeah. they're like it's not the most useful tech, but there's tech where they get they uh, microwave like a little like kernel, like a little bag of something, and then like it comes out a full meal. It's the it was the whole McDonald's meal. That was the that was the promotion they had with McDonald's at the time is like he opens the microwave and there's a whole fucking Big Mac in there. Yeah. The Alexa Vega meal. The Big Mac. I was. (laughs) The the... Alexa Vega meal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was, I was trying to do the, uh, uh, Pink Panther, uh, hamburger scene. Uh, (laughs) the burger. Hamburger. (laughs) Comedic gold. That movie is a masterclass of comedy, honestly. Oh my god! I probably need my words whenever we do that. That's gonna be like Cody Banks all over again. I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come in hot. I'm like this movie rules, and by like the 80 minute mark, I'm just gonna like retire. Yeah, that's one thing about this fucking movie. There's no reason why it has to be almost two hours. There's no reason why this movie shouldn't be 80 minutes long. I imagine this movie, but with like Avengers Endgame level, like right no. now. Please no. I think it, I, I think the best way to make all of these movies eighty minutes is to make it the trilogy and make the first movie none of this. It's just it's just him becoming a hero. Because uh, another thing that kind of bugged me in the movie is like he's sort of towing the line between being like you know every boy USA, but then also he's kind of like a brat. Sometimes he's kind of like entitled and like very rude to Angie Harmon, and like he does have these insane abilities already. So like. In certain ways, you don't relate to him. So it's yeah. like, well, just show me him becoming this kid, and then I'll like him a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah. just no character development or backstory or anything. Like, who is Cody Banks? We don't know. <laughs> who is Cody Banks? It's like that guy from American Vandal season one, where like you have a whole piece on him, but you were like, "How well do we really know this guy?" We don't. <laughs> Maybe he's the bad guy the entire time. Who knows? Agent Cody Banks was the real American Vandal. 
<laughs> I think what that's. Vandalize I think that's the article that would get zero clicks for you. <laughs> <laughs> you would get ratioed immediately, but nobody would read it. <laughs> yeah, Kira, that's just what happens to me daily on Twitter. <laughs> I'm used to it. I was born for it. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess in retrospect, this movie is not good. But <laughs> it hurt you so bad to say that. Yeah, it kind of did. Because I was because this was a big one for me. I was like excited to rewatch it, and, and to an extent, I did enjoy my rewatch. I because like I laughed quite often rewatching it today, and not because it was remotely clever or well or well written, but I was just kind of like laughing at how absurd the entire scene is like i mean that like one scene where he's like beating up the dudes at the pool like that's just wish fulfillment that's like i want to go beat up the, the bullies mm-hmm. you know like i want to the the main like the head bully played by noel fisher of max Keeble's big move troy mcginty yeah yeah i was like oh that guy looks so familiar um mm-hmm. but yeah of course he's just playing like the same the same role it's, he, gets, uh, he gets to cook more in, in Keeble. Yeah. Yeah, that's a movie that really develops its characters. Yes. There, I mean, there is an emotional through line of Keeble where, like, like you know, the, the, the love story of him and his best friend versus him and blah, 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 and, like, his, betraying his friends. Whereas in, in Cody Banks, the, the moment that any other movie would take advantage of is when he has to tell Hilduff that he's the secret agent and, like, it's all a false pretense relationship. And that happens during the action climax. So it goes over in, like, two seconds and they don't even talk yeah. about it again. Yeah, she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really... But even, like, Angie Hartman walks and just, oh, the nurse is a spy, too? Like, just no... Like, it takes, like, two seconds to, like, acknowledge it and it's completely glossed over um i will say though drew i think we owe it to you the listeners and everyone else um just i think the world in general to do a one day max keeble redux episode (laughs) with you because i i think we just owe it to the populace to like really properly break down the movie maybe that should have been our two-year anniversary (laughs) yeah we um we did a commentary episode for it on We Bought a Mic, and um, I have I have multiple more episodes worth of new material. <laughs> There's it's such a dense text to to dive into. Yeah, I think I actually because like it was an idea in the back of my head for like a while, but now just even hearing you talk about it on an Agent Cody Banks episode, I'm like, I can feel it. Like I can feel like it radiating from you like you have more to say i know i wasn't i really wasn't trying to and it came <laughs> up twice. no it's the same thing with me like i mentioned fast and furious every week they uh, lost some powers yeah yeah you guys yeah. get it yeah yeah like it, it's totally understandable like and and sometimes people need to know the truth um the truth being that um you know max keeble did 9-11 and uh and, and robe knew and uh what is it? Rome did. Uh, what did Rome do again? Uh, little Romeo. Um, I think. I think he was. He sort of the orchestrator behind Tower Seven. Ah, uh, yeah. If I remember my own canon correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I okay. I didn't, I didn't want to speak for you, so I wanted to make sure we got that clear. 
Um, yeah, I mean, any on that note, any uh, <laughs> any final thoughts on Agent Cody Banks? Um, no, I don't. I don't want to sound like I just like I had just an awful experience watching it because I I got so many you know memory endorphins from it. Um, yeah. yeah, I watched the the absolute shit out of this movie as a kid because it just like unabashedly gives the young boy everything that he could want, you know, and yeah. uh, to a fault upon rewatch, but it it did the trick back then. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was bad. <laughs> it exists. I like it, it is bad. Like, definitely. <laughs> Uh, while while watching it, I remembered um, that there was a tweet. I was like going through the exact same specific experience that Frankie Muniz was going through, and that he was trying to like fit into his old retainer or like Invisalign because he was bored. And I was doing the exact same thing with my life, and he was like, "Ow, I'm in so much pain," and I'm like, literally same. Like, so Frankie Muniz, I think, is just. He's a cool guy. He is. Yeah, he's a. His tweets are his tweets are good and relatable. Is what I'm trying to say. He's a millennial king through and through. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I think my uh my final thoughts are: Must movies be good? Do they have to be good? Do they have to have a story? Do they have to be uh, culturally significant or impactful or <laughs> relevant or even well made on any level? Or, like, inoffensive. Yeah. Yeah, it like, treat uh, its characters like human beings, no matter what. Exactly. Yeah, and the answer is yes, they should. <laughs> <laughs> really flip that one on you before you could finish. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's a movie. <laughs> we can say that. Definitely a, a movie, yeah. Definitely exists. <laughs> It definitely is a feature film that was released into cinemas in 2003. I mean, we can't confirm that, but uh, we <laughs> but we all witnessed it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll maybe do Destination London one day when I'm feeling spiteful for Kira. And I just <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I I do kind of want to cover that one because, like, that's a from what I remember, a good movie. But it's, then again, I, it's objective. Like, I can promise you, it's better than this one in every single way, including, including. I'm pretty sure I don't remember it being horny. Well, then I'm already checked out. Uh, no, <laughs> no. I from what I from what I remember, I agree with you, but I'm also nervous to revisit it because I have such like great members of this one and i didn't remember half the problematic shit in this one so um we'll see well we'll we'll do it one day in the future um i don't know is that it right i think so all right well drew thank you so much for coming on for this episode thank you i thank think you if it was just me and adam i would have lost my goddamn mind so thank you <laughs> thank you for coming on I would have loved to have just kind of sat back the whole time and let you two like genuinely fight about whether or not it's good <laughs> S- to see Adam's true online downfall. <laughs> Adam gets canceled. 
<laughs> for liking Agent Cody Banks. Yeah. <laughs> that's that that that's what's gonna happen one day, I swear. That's that's mm. gonna be it for me. Um yeah. uh anything you wanna plug? Any anywhere we could buy certain recording equipment that you know of? Yeah, our our podcast is sort of a funnel for Amazon.com where you uh, can go and buy mics and like maybe a few other things uh no uh but yeah yeah listen to the we bought a mic podcast i will say like i said this the first time i came on um the the actual solidified premise of your podcast made me so jealous (laughs) when i heard it (laughs) and we're sort of we're sort of following in those footsteps with this we're we're doing actor arc series and um i don't know if when ernie's going to drop this so this is sort of a scoop um so you know get get your pencils out folks but <laughs> we're uh we're dropping a, a a series of brackets on twitter that everyone can vote to find out who our next actor that we cover over oh, like yeah. the course of months will be um so if you want to influence months of mids content then go ahead and vote in those polls um considering i'll probably be on one of those episodes for whatever you guys choose i find it imperative that we 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 find the right pick for that yeah 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 it was we just did cage and it was like it's hard to even hold a candle up because now ideally i want an actor who is so mercurial and like has wild ups and downs but it's not it's inimitable there's i don't really think there's anyone else yeah, I was gonna mention that. Um, like the the we bought a we bought a Nick. I guess that's how you, it's what you said earlier or like before. It's like it, it works better as a word and not like saying it out loud. Like it just. But uh, but the actual series that you guys did, I listened to quite a bit. The only one I once I skipped were the ones I haven't actually seen the movies for. But you guys did a great job, like covering the ups and downs and like the kind of art of his like. Uh, his career and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was on the National Treasure app for anyone that wants to listen to that. But um no, you guys did a great job with that. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that ride. Thank you. Yeah. If we had yeah, you were on for National Treasure. Kier was on for Moonstruck, which mm-hmm. I hadn't seen and which is was an incredible movie. Um I've watched it's it probably since his, then. it's probably his best movie, honestly. It it was up there for all <laughs> you of guys us. started out with the best one. Um I forgot, did you guys do kick ass? I forgot. We did that. I think that was the last one. Yeah, that's probably my favorite Nick Cage, but uh, Pig is also super good. So, um, was that deliberate, by the way? Did you guys know about Pig, like when you started the series? No. What you think we're on that? Because <laughs> it was kind of perfect. Like, I know. The timing we, of it all. We got very lucky with that, and the fact that Pig was like worth discussing and was like yeah. a pretty good movie. So, good for us. Yeah. Won't happen again. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely check out We Bought a Mic. Uh, love those boys. Uh, they're they're great at what they do, and they they do it weekly. Or and it's it's always up. Um, I don't know what I'm saying, uh, but I love them. <laughs> <laughs> you're giving me free ad copy right now. Is what you're doing. We it's weekly it's always, and up. always up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's never down. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> Kira's about to do a spit take. I gotta say something really quick to, like, make her do it. Poop. I swallowed the water. I oh, damn. Okay. 
Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam underscore not Sandler. And also the Aggressively Okay podcast is uh, alive and well. Um, other than me like murdering Joey and no one hearing from him for like the last two weeks, uh, it, it's still going pretty good. So yeah, check that out. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at garlic emoji. Um, one thing that I do want to plug, if you're a fan of this podcast, when we actually do film criticism um, and you <laughs> listen to our unhinged episode on Mamma Mia, I actually like collected those thoughts and wrote an essay that I'm kind of proud of. And it was published in Wigwag uh, last week. So yeah, that's out there. Um, I wrote about why Mamma Mia is the best movie ever made. Um and yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Zillennial Canon, on Instagram at the Zillennial Canon, and send us reviews and yeah, voicemails. Uh, yes. Voicemails, yeah. And prepare for me to get just unhinged again next week. Adam's not ready. Jesus Christ. You yeah. didn't think about that. I, I'm about I, to go feral. I'm not going to fully spoil it because I like the Twitter reveal each week. But um, I am, the movie we're doing next week. I have a very good friend coming on for it, and this was her pick. But I feel like it's just an excuse for Kira to go feral, and I'm, I like, I'm just, yeah. I'll, I'll see you guys next. It's week. a hot one too. It's a hot one. It's, All right. It's, it's, <laughs> Bye. <laughs>